Love starts inside people and flows out to others. It happens through people who have it to give. This message is the second in the series, Life. The message is entitled, Living in Love, Part 2. Here is Pastor Dale O'Shields. Grab your Bibles, your teaching sheets as we get ready to study today. And we're going to dive into the message in just a moment. But one thing I do want to highlight for you today is another announcement so vital. Uh, In the month of May every year, we have our annual pastors conference. It's called United Pastors Network. And we have pastors that will come in literally from around the country as well as from around the world. And so that's coming up in just a few weeks, May the 20th through the 22nd. There are a couple of things I would ask you to do in reference to that conference. Number one, would you put it on your prayer list and be praying for it? It's so vital that we pray for this event, for the pastors that are coming to be encouraged, their teams to be encouraged. And then also, if you know of any pastors uh, in, the, in the area or outside of the area, for that matter, uh, make sure that you pass along to them the information about this conference. It's a great time of resourcing relationships. You can get all the information at United Pastors Network. It's all one phrase, one word, lowercase, unitedpastorsnetwork.com. And just to help us share that information with other pastors and church team members that may be uh, blessed by being a part of this together. I want to continue this weekend in a message I started last weekend entitled Life. We're talking for several weeks now about, we'll be talking about this concept of life. What does it mean to have a real life? I think for most of us, when we hear the word life, we tend to think in terms of biology, just the physical life that we have, and certainly we're appreciative of life. God honors the biology of life. But when it comes to understanding real life, you can be alive, but never really be alive. You can have life in terms of biology, but never experience the full dimension of what life is all about. That's why when you begin to study Scripture, especially when you get into the New Testament and the ministry of Jesus, He often speaks of life in different terms. I am the way, the truth, and the life. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I came that you might have life and have it more abundantly. He used and uses a particular word there for life that is different from biology. It's different from bios. That word is zoe, and that word speaks of a different quality of life. I came that you might have zoe, that you might have life and have it abundantly. And that word zoe speaks far more than just living and breathing. It speaks of, a again, a quality of life that is primarily measured by two things, by your fulfillment and by your fruitfulness. How do you know that you're experiencing a zoe kind of life, the kind of life that Jesus promised? You know it because there is a fulfillment to your life, that you're fulfilling a purpose for which God created you, and there's also a fruitfulness to your life, that you can look at your life and see that I'm leaving something that is meaningful behind, and I'm doing something that is populating the dimension and the, and the issues and values of eternity. I'm not just living for me in the moment. I'm living for something that has value. And so real Zoe life is about fulfillment, yes, but not just making you feel good, but it's about a fulfillment that leads to a fruitfulness with your life, a legacy, an eternal legacy that you live for and leave behind. Jesus said you are to have this Zoe kind of life. I've come that you might have Zoe, you might have life. And in this series, we're talking about the things that make up this Zoe kind of life, this real fulfilling and fruitful life. We're talking about the first element, the element of love, and we talked about that last weekend. We'll talk about it again this weekend and next weekend as well. We're going to talk about how you and I need to be inspired with the purpose, and that's a part of life. You can't experience the Zoe kind of life without a level of inspiration regarding your purpose. 
We're going to talk about faith, the vital, the vital aspect of what faith is. You can't really live a fullness of life without having a vital faith, and you can't be, have an experience of a full life and a fruitful life without investing, engaging your life in something that is meaningful in terms of service. But today we're talking about love. We're talking about how to experience a love life, because you can't experience real life without love. Love is a key part of experiencing real Zoe kind of life. Last weekend, we started this, this theme, this idea of, of, of loving life, experiencing love in our lives. I talked about the fact that the greatest gift you'll ever receive in life is love, and the greatest gift you'll ever give is love. We talked about some of the issues that happen when love is absent in our personal lives, in our relationships, in society around us. And then I talked to you about the fact that real love requires a source. It does not happen inside of us. It has to come from the outside of us into us. And so we've looked at those principles. Today I'm going to share with you one primary lesson. To understand life and the love that provides us a Zoe kind of life, we must understand that loving other people, which is our goal in life, starts with experiencing God's love in your own life. You can't love other people until you've experienced, that's a key word there, experienced, not just known about conceptually, but experienced God's love in your own individual life, in your own personal journey with God. See, how does love enter the world? How does love get into our society? How does love enter into relationships? Well, love comes into the world through people. Love doesn't enter the world through some mystical force. There's not some kind of force of the universe called love that sort of just sits out there in a, in a mystical environment. No, love happens, enters the world through you and me, through the love that we show one another. How does love enter a marriage? It enters a marriage with two people bringing love into that marriage. How does love enter into any relationship? It happens when people bring the love into that relationship. Love starts inside of people and it flows out of our lives to other people around us. See, love is first and foremost an inside job before it's an outside expression to other people. It has to start inside of you. And listen closely, you can't love unless love is in you. You can't give what you don't have. It is impossible to give what you don't have. And so if you're going to have something to give, this thing called love that will bring a different dimension of your relation to your relationships and to your own individual life and to the fulfillment of your life and fruitfulness of your life. It has to start with you. So how does love get inside of you? That's the big question today. How does love get in you so that once it's in you, it can flow out of you to the people around you? Well, love gets in you. Listen closely. Very vital. Love gets in you when God gets in you. That's how love gets in you. The Bible says God is love. And so for us to have love, we have to have relationship with God, and God has to get on the inside of us. And the, there's a biblical word for God getting on the inside of you, and that biblical word is salvation. Salvation is an experience we have with God that opens our life to God in such a way that God actually comes and begins to live inside of us so that love is now in us because God is in us and God is love. And so you can't experience this without getting God in you through this thing called salvation. So I want to talk to you for a few moments about what does it mean to be saved? What does it mean to experience salvation? We've heard the phrase before. Maybe you've even used it. Are you saved? I am saved. What does that mean biblically? Let's talk about 
about salvation. There are five elements to salvation that you and I need to understand that will lead us to experiencing God's love and expressing God's love to others. The first thing that is necessary is that if you're going to experience God inside of you, this thing called salvation, you have to honestly admit your need for God. You'll never get God in you if you're ignoring God. You'll never get God in you if you're not acknowledging your desperate need of Him. There are many people who are going through their lives and they're not acknowledging, not even thinking about the fact that they actually need God. See, I believe that inside of every human being, there's a God-shaped void in every heart. And every human being is looking for God, whether they realize it or not. And oftentimes they try to fill it up with all kinds of things and pursuits and pleasures and possessions and all kinds of things. And they still find themselves frustrated with life. Why? Because they haven't found the real source, the real thing they're looking for. And you and I need to start, if we're going to have God in us, by acknowledging, honestly admitting, I need God. The psalmist writes these words in Psalm 121, the first two verses, and he actually ask himself a question. He's thinking about his own life. He's going through some trouble in his own life. So he asks himself a question that he actually answers for himself as well. And he writes in verse number one, I lift up to my, my eyes to the mountains. Have you ever been to Israel? You know, there are lots of mountains around. So he's, he's in this setting. He says, I lift up my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? I need, I need some help. Where does my help come from? And then he answers his own question in verse number two. Would you read it with me together? All of our campuses. Let's read. My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He said, I need some help in my life. Oh, I know he's the one that can help me. My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. I would remind you today that the first beginning point in your journey with God is to acknowledge that you need God. Second of all, you have to acknowledge, honestly admit, acknowledge that you have a spiritual condition that has pushed God out of your life. There's this acknowledgement that I need you, God, but yet at the same time that I need you, I, I have this condition inside of me. It's called sin, and although I need you, I keep pushing you away from my life because I have, I have this issue that I, I'm living life for me. I, I have this tendency to disobey your word rather than obey your word, and so I have a problem called sin. We are all sinners. And so we can't relate to God because we have the issue of sin in our life that's blocking our relationship with Him. And so to, for us to get God in us, we admit that we need Him, but we have to deal with the obstacle in us called sin. Paul writes about this in Romans chapter 3, beginning in verse number 10. And the Scriptures agree, for it is written, there is no one who always does what is right, no, not even one. There is no one with true spiritual insight, and there is no one who seeks after God alone. All have deliberately wandered from God's ways. All have become depraved and unfit. Kindness has disappeared from them all. Not even one is good. The same theme continues in Ephesians chapter 2, the first three verses, talking to those who now were in Christ but had been away from Christ before they experienced salvation. He said, you were once dead because of your failures and sins. You followed the ways of the present world and its spiritual ruler. This ruler continues to work in people who refuse to obey God. All of us once lived among these people and followed the desires of our corrupt nature. We did what our corrupt desires and thoughts wanted us to do. So because of our nature, notice that because of our nature, we deserved God's anger just like everyone else. Paul says before we met Christ, before we had a relationship with God through Christ, we had this problem in us. We, we knew that we needed God, but we couldn't connect with God because we had a nature that was opposite of God. It was called sin. 
The third thing that is essential in this process of salvation, this experience of salvation, again, why is this important? Because to love, you have to have the source of love in you. And for the source of love to get in you, there has to be an experience with God called salvation. And the third element of salvation is you have to accept God's way of salvation. God has provided the way of salvation, not a way of salvation, but the way of salvation. Let's explain that. Very vital to us. If I were to bring three or four people to the platform this morning and give you a microphone and say, I'd like for you to describe the way to Rockville or the way to Silver Spring, or the way to Germantown. And I want you to describe for us the way to get to that destination. It's very likely that most of you, all of you, would perhaps have somewhat of a different way to get where I'm describing that you you would want to go, the destination. Because there are many different ways to Rockville. There are many different ways to Germantown. There are many different ways to Silver Spring, different roads that you can take. And so we tend to bring that mentality into our spiritual life. Well, if there are many ways to get to these kind of destinations, there certainly must be many ways to get to God. And the Bible teaches something very opposite of that. The Bible teaches us that there's only one way to get to God. There are not many different roads that will get you to God. There's only one pathway that will get you there. And that pathway has been provided by God, and it is the way of salvation. And that way of salvation is through Jesus Christ. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He did not say, I am a way, a truth, and a life. He said, he said I am the way, the truth, and the life. That the is a very definite article. It describes the fact that there is only one way to God, and that's through His Son, Christ. Why? Because Jesus came as a sacrificial Lamb of God, went to the cross of Calvary, paid the price for our sins. Nobody else has ever done that, so Jesus has now earned the right, if you will, to be our Savior. Coming in obedience to God, being obedient to death on the cross, He is now being, has, has been exalted above all, and He is the pathway of salvation. There is no other name given among men whereby we are to be saved except the name of Jesus. So this is vital because there's something that really is rampant in our culture today when it comes to thinking about God. And people say, well, you know, there are many different ways to God. That's called pluralism. There are not many different ways to God. There is one way to God. God has given us a way of salvation. And so if you want to be saved, this is the road you have to walk, okay? This is the pathway you have to take. And let's take a look at what the Scripture says about this in John chapter 3, verse number 16. For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son, that whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have eternal life. Notice he's describing the way of salvation, Romans 5, 8. But God demonstrates His own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, we had this problem with God, Christ died for us. Romans 6, 23, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in who? In Christ Jesus, our Lord. Romans 10, 9 and 10, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified. It is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. Romans 10, 13, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved saved. Ephesians 2, 8, 9, God saved you by His grace when you believed, and you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so no one, uh, no one of us, none of us, I should say, can boast about it. 
There's a way of salvation. And so salvation, this process of experiencing God in you starts with, you know what? I've been looking for something in my life and now I know what I'm looking for. I need God. Where does my help come from? My help comes from God. I need a relationship with God. And I want to have a relationship with God, but you know, I've got a problem in me called sin. What am I going to do? Because I can't get to God because there's this, this brokenness and the sinfulness inside of me. And God says, well, I've got a way of salvation. The way of salvation is for you to put your faith in Jesus who paid the price for your sins and conquered sin, death, and hell for you so that when you put your faith in him, something happens on the inside of you and God comes to live in you by his Holy Spirit. And so now I've gone from just wanting God in my life to now having God in my life because I've invited Christ into my life and I've turned my life over to him and now I have God in me. When God is in you, love is in you. Got that? There are two other things I want to talk about because now having God in us, we need to grow in our understanding of this thing called salvation. Because it's one thing to have God in you, it's another thing to to grow in this relationship with God and to understand what this salvation really means in your life. Take a look at 1 Corinthians chapter chapter 5, 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 17. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person, the old life is gone, a new life has begun. And so when you and I accept Christ, what happens is... The old life, who we were before Christ, it's now gone away, and we've started a brand new life, but it's just begun. See, salvation is not the end. Salvation is the beginning. You're now beginning a walk with God that you need to grow in. Salvation makes you a new person. You're not the same individual that you were before, but you have to grow in this relationship with God. Ezekiel describes this for us prophetically in Ezekiel chapter 36, beginning in verse 25. Then I will sprinkle clean water on you. This is talking about salvation, and you will be clean. Your filth will be washed away, and you will no longer worship idols. And I will give you a new heart, and I will put a new spirit in you. I will take out of, you, out of your, your stony, stubborn heart and give you a tender, responsive heart. And I will put my spirit in you so that you will follow my decrees and be careful to obey my regulations. So here the prophet says, when Jesus comes into your life, you get a new heart, okay? And now you want to do God's will. You want to do what is right, but you have to learn how to walk that out in your life. See, when you become a Christian, it changes you on the inside. You're not the same person anymore. And that means that when you go back and you try to do the things you did before you were a Christian that were wrong and bad and sinful, you just don't enjoy them anymore like you used to. See, salvation ruins you for sin. You can't enjoy it anymore, okay? You used to be able to do all this stuff. You never thought about it. You were having a good time, partying here, doing that. Now you try to go and do those things. And you say, what, what, I don't, I'm not as happy as I used to be when I did those things. Why? Because that's not you anymore. Yeah. right? It's not even who you are. Okay? You're a new creation in Christ. And so you're living in your old life. And your old life is trying to pull back who you are in, in newness of life in Christ. And you're, this is not me. And so growing in Christ means that your behavior and your attitudes start lining up with the new person that you are. Okay? I'm a new person in Christ, and so I don't live in those old ways any longer. Take a look at the next verse of Scripture here in Romans chapter 8, 1 and 2. So there's now no condemnation awaiting those who belong to Christ Jesus. For the power of the life, this life, or the life-giving spirit, 
and this power is mine through Christ Jesus, has freed me from the vicious circle of sin and death. Paul said, this is the very thing. Jesus in me changes my life from a life of sin and death to a life of righteousness and obeying God's laws. Now, here's the final point I want to bring you to today in today's message. What's today's message all about? Love, right? Okay. So you can't give what you don't have, right? So to be able to love, we have to have God, and we have to have God in us. The way you get God in us is through salvation. Salvation, I need God. I've got a problem with God. Jesus solved my problem for me. When I put my faith in him, now I have a newness of life. I'm going to grow in this relationship with God. I'm going to learn what it means to live differently. I'm not the same person any longer. And now I also begin to grow in my understanding and experience of the love of God in my life. Because the more you grow, that's the fifth point I'll give you there, the more you grow in God's love, the understanding of that incredible personal love that Jesus has for you, the more you're going to actually fall in love with God because you fall in love with God, the more you recognize how much God loves you, okay? So we love because he first loves us. And so when we begin to understand more of God's love, we begin to live in that love and share it with other people. So I want to talk to you about this idea of experiencing God's love in your life. You know, that how, many, how many people, even Christian believers, will go through their entire lives struggling with this concept and this recognition, this experience of being loved by God? And I want to help you today to know how much God loves you. I want you to listen some, to some verses that describe this tremendous love that God has for us. 1 John chapter 4, verses 18 and 19. We need have no fear of someone who loves us perfectly. So how does God love you? Perfectly. His perfect love for us eliminates all dread of what he might do to us. If we're afraid, it is for fear of what he might do to us and shows that we are not fully convinced that he really loves us. So you see, our love for him comes as a result of his loving us first. So again, you see that we fall in love with God the more we understand how much God loves us. Listen to 2 Timothy 1.7. For God will never give you the spirit of fear. God will never give you the spirit of fear, but the Holy Spirit who gives you mighty but the Holy Spirit who gives you mighty power, love, and self-control. So, so where does love come from? from the Holy Spirit at work in you. Romans 5, 5. And this hope is not a disappointing fantasy, the hope we have in Christ, because we can now experience the endless love of God cascading into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who lives in us. I love that phrase, cascading into our hearts. I want you to, to just imagine with me, if you've ever visited a beautiful waterfall, maybe Niagara Falls, and the water just cascades over that edge over and consistently day after day, morning after morning, day after day, there's a, there's a water flowing in the same way the love of God. God cascades over into your life day in and day out as loving kindness is new every morning. Ephesians 3, 14 through 19. Listen to this. I want this to be a prayer for you today. It's going to lead us to an important declaration, some declarations that we're going to make in just a moment. Paul writes, so I kneel humbly in awe before the Father of our Lord Jesus, the Messiah, the perfect Father of every father and child in heaven and on earth. And I pray, notice the prayer that Paul prayed for the Ephesians. It's a prayer for us as well. It's our prayer together today. And I pray that he would unveil within you the unlimited riches of his glory and favor 
until supernatural strength floods your innermost being with His divine might and explosive power. Then by constantly using your faith, the life of Christ will be released deep inside you. And the resting place of His love will become the very source and root of your life. Notice the resting place of His love. What do you and I rest in? His love. And that becomes the source and the root of our life. Then you will be empowered to discover what every Holy One experiences, the great magnitude of the astonishing love of Christ in all its dimensions, how deeply intimate and far-reaching is His love, how enduring and inclusive it is, endless love beyond measurement that transcends our understanding. This extravagant love pours into you until you are filled to overflowing with the fullness of God. What an amazing passage. See, we grow in our understanding of this personal love that God has for us And when that occurs, when we begin to grow in that, it changes our life, it changes our mentality, it changes our relationship, it opens us up to the love of God and it introduces us to God's love that can now flow through us to the people around us. So let's track again because this is going to lead us to this final set of declarations I want us to make. For love to get inside of us, we need salvation. Got it? You'll never be saved until you know you need God. Correct? Not going to be saved. As long as you're doing life yourself, you think you got the tiger by the tail, you're never going to be saved. you got to know you need God. Now that I know I need God, I, I start to approach God and realize, I've got a problem. My problem is sin. There's something broken inside of me that I can't fix myself. I need somebody to fix me. God says, got you covered. Here's the way of salvation. Okay. Not a way, but the way of salvation is through Christ. And so now I put my faith in Christ. And when that happens, I now am able to have a relationship with God. And God is love. Okay. So now God is in my life. So the source of love is now in my life. Now that God is in my life, I've got to learn through this growing in salvation, how to live in relationship with him because I'm not the same person I used to be. So my behavior and attitudes have to change in every realm of life because I'm an ongoing process. My salvation is a beginning point, but it's also a call to continue. And a part of that continuation is learning more and more of the personal expression of God's love to me because the more I realize how much God loves me, the more I'm going to love Him. And the more that I love Him, then finally the more I will love other people around me. So we're going to wrap up today helping us to affirm the love that God has for us. For several weeks in the first part of this year, actually for 13 weeks, I taught a series of messages about your mouth. Change your words, change your life. I hope that you're continuing in that journey that process of making sure you're adjusting your words. I want to help us with that part of God's love, that declaration of God's love today by giving you five declarations that I think are vital to enabling you to grow in an understanding of the love that God has for you. Five declarations. I'm going to speak them out for you, talk a little bit about them, then we're going to confirm them and affirm them together and declare them together. The first thing that you need to declare every day in your life, either at least mentally, I would say even verbally declare I am unconditionally loved by God. An understanding of God's love says, I am unconditionally loved by God. What I want you to know here is this. There's nothing you can do that will ever make God love you any less. There's nothing you can do that can make God love you anymore because God loves you 
fully and perfectly and completely right now. And so in this moment in your life, there's nothing you can't earn any more of God's love. You don't need to try to earn any more of God's love. God's love has already been, God loves you, it's solid, it's secure. You never have to worry about that again. You are unconditionally loved by God. You don't have to earn his love. He already loves you just the way you are. Now he loves you too much to leave you the way you are, but he loves you just like you are. And he unconditionally loves you. I want you to declare with me today, aloud and loudly together, I am unconditionally loved by God. Declare it with me. I am unconditionally loved by God. Across all of our campuses, I realize it's a rainy day out there. We're all a little bit uh, dragging today. So get your energy up a bit here. Are you ready? I am unconditionally loved by God. I think we, we can do it one more time. I am unconditionally loved by God. You ought to wake up every morning and look at your ugly face in the mirror and say, I am unconditionally loved by God. Okay. I don't care what you look like that day. I am unconditionally loved by God. When, you, when your feet hit the floor in the morning, as soon as you hit feet hit the floor, I am unconditionally loved by God. Why? That's going to change your day. You're now standing on a firm foundation of something that can carry you through your day. You're not trying to earn God's love. You're not worried about whether he loves you. And that's going to open you up to all kinds of wonderful things in your life. So again, declare it with me. I am unconditionally loved by God. Number two, I am graciously forgiven by God. The stuff changes your life. If you've confessed your sin to God, if you've opened up to him and asked him for forgiveness, you've invited Christ in your life, you need to know that he has forgiven you. He has washed your sin away. You don't have to go back and dig into that past that you have and worry about all the things you did at some point in time in your life. What you need to do is stop, stop doing that kind of digging and accept the reality of saying, you know what? I have been forgiven by God. I'm going to forget those things that lie behind. I'm going to press forward to my future. I'm not living in the past. I'm living in the present, and I'm headed toward my future. Because God has cleansed those things away. And so love reminds you that I am graciously forgiven by God. Let's say these two together. I am unconditionally loved by God. Again, here we go. I am unconditionally loved by God, and I am graciously forgiven by God. Once, once again, I'm graciously forgiven by God. Number three, I can and will completely trust God. Because God loves you, you can trust him. So you cannot separate love and trust. You cannot do it. It's impossible. If you remove trust, you don't have love. If you remove love, you don't have trust. So these are, these are tandem things that go together. The things that really cause relationships to break down is removing love, which makes someone wonder about trust, or removing trust, which makes someone wonder about love. They all go together. And so when you and I know that God loves us, then we have this confidence that we can trust in Him. He's got everything under control in our lives. So I want you to say with me this third thing, I can and will completely trust God. Here we go. I can and will completely trust God. Let's put all three of them together. Are you ready? I am unconditionally loved by God. I am graciously forgiven by God. I can and will completely trust God. And number four, I can and will joyously obey God's word. I can obey and I will obey. 
Let me show you the connection here with obedience and love. When you understand that God loves you, you'll understand that anything that God asks you to do or anything God says to you not to do, he gives you any commands based upon his love. Every command of God is, is motivated by his love. He's saying, I'm asking you not to do this because I love you and this is damaging to your life. I'm asking you to do this because if you'll do this, this will be a blessing for your life. So every law of God is based upon the love of God. Anything that God commands you and I to do is because he loves us is for our best. Think about it as a, as a parent. When you tell your children, I want you to do this or not do that, it's because you love them, you care about them, you want them to be taken care of effectively. Well, every command that God gives you is for your good. It's because he loves you. So you should never think about God's laws or God's commands as being something that is, that is, that is, that's grievous, that's hard to do, because you need to realize it's based in God's love. So declare number four with me. I can and will joyously obey God's word. Once again, I can and will joyously obey God's word. Let's bring all four of them together. I am unconditionally loved by God. I am graciously forgiven by God. I can and will completely trust God. I can and will joyously obey God's word. And the final declaration this morning is that I can and will dispense God's love to others because I'm connected to God, the source of love. That now I can, I am in this, because I'm now receiving love, I have something to give. I am unconditionally loved by God. I'm the object of his love. I'm completely graciously forgiven by God. I completely trust God. I'm living in a trusting relationship with him because I know he loves me. I'm, I'm walking in obedience with God because I know his laws are based in his love. And so I want to obey him because I know he loves me and he wants what's best for me. Now because of this secure place that I'm in in my life, then now I become a dispenser of God's love to the people around me because the source of love lives inside of me. I'm a carrier of God's love. I'm a dispenser of God's love. Let's, let's declare this final one together. Are you ready? Say it with me. I can and will dispense God's love to others because I am connected to God, the source of love. Jesus said it this way in Matthew chapter 10, verse 8. He said, freely you have received, freely give. What the world needs today and what the calling of God is upon your life today is that God needs dispensers of love. And if you're going to experience, and I'm going to experience the Zoe kind of life. How many of you want the Zoe kind of life, right? You don't want to just live without living, right? I want to live and really live, okay? I don't want to end my life so I lived, but I didn't really live, okay? So I want to really live, then really living means I've got to have the life Jesus wants me to experience, Zoe life, and so that life involves love. I've got to have the love of God in me and the love of God through me. I have to understand that my primary calling in life is to be a dispenser of God's love to others because God, this, the world needs love. And love doesn't just mysteriously come into our world. Love comes into our world through people, right? And so wherever God places you in your life, he's placed you there with a calling to be a dispenser of his love. Just, just freely you've received, freely give. And to let that love flow through you to the world around you. And when that happens, there's a fulfillment that starts happening in your life. And a fruitfulness that starts happening in your life that cannot happen any other way. And you start experiencing real L-I-F-E. Real life. 
Before we conclude today, would you affirm with me these five statements one more time? Let's settle them deep into our heart, starting with the very first one, and declare them aloud and loudly and enthusiastically. Here we go. I am unconditionally loved by God. I am graciously forgiven by God. I can and will completely trust God. I can and will joyously obey God's word. I can and will dispense God's love to others because I am connected to God, the source of love. Would you bow your heads together with me as we pray? Father, we thank you this morning for the opportunity we've had to study your word. We're grateful for the word of God, how it speaks to our lives, how it challenges us and encourages us. And I pray you'll take this message this morning and let it settle deeply in our hearts, seal it by the Holy Spirit. And Father, I pray that we truly would become dispensers of the love of God because you've loved us freely we've received that we freely give to others. We ask this in Jesus' name. I would like to close today by giving you an opportunity to ask Jesus to be the Lord of your life. Would you pray with me right now? Right where you are, just simply bow your head with me and I'm going to give you a prayer to pray and you can simply speak this prayer out, whisper this prayer out and from the sincerity of your heart, call upon God and I promise you that He will hear and answer you. So let's pray together. Start by simply whispering the name Jesus. Let there come uh, from your heart just the declaration of His name. Say, Jesus, I know that, that I am a sinner, that I have fallen short with you. I'm sorry for all of my sins. Jesus, I believe in you. I believe that you are God's Son. I believe that you are the Savior of the world. I believe that you died on the cross for my sins. And I believe that you rose from the grave, that you are alive today. Now pray these words. Say, Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Come into my life. Forgive me of my sins. Give me a new start in you. I commit my life to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you prayed that prayer with me, I want to encourage you with a promise from God's Word that says that when we call upon God's name, we call upon the Son of God, there is salvation that comes to our lives. He changes us from the inside out, and you become a new creation. Old things pass away, all things become new. And that's exactly what has happened to you today. Your next step really is to make sure that you get into a good Bible-believing church. And you begin to study God's Word, get God's Word in you, and to make sure that you get a copy of the Bible if you don't have one and begin to read it. Spend some time every day in prayer. And I would encourage you also to check out the resources on our website that will help you to get going in your relationship with Jesus. You can find them at church-redeemer.org. Get those into your hands. Get started in your new life with Jesus Christ. Thanks again for joining us today. May God bless you, and we look forward to seeing you next time. If you've prayed with a pastor today and made a decision to follow Jesus Christ, we have some resources for you on our website. Just go to church-redeemer.org slash a new you. We pray that this message was a blessing to you.